I love you, that's something that you should be experiencing within your own heart. So we're not going to make any excuses up here because we know that our worship is for real. So just begin to think on the goodness of Jesus and let your praise be an indication that you know that he's good to you.
Hallelujah for you saturating this place with your presence. For that, Lord, we just want to say thank you. Lord, it's your presence is just a reminder of how real you are, Lord. And because you are real, Lord, we have a responsibility to show you how much we love you, to show you how much we give you the honor and the praise. Lord, we should have a responsibility, Lord, to open our mouths and let you know how much we appreciate not just what you've done, but just for who you are, Lord. We thank you. We love you. We appreciate you for just being God, for just being faithful, Lord, for just being kind, for being merciful, Lord. Hallelujah. For loving us when we didn't know how to love ourselves. Lord, we just want to say thank you, Lord. Look on us this day, Lord. Incline your ear into our direction, Lord, so that you may hear our heart, Lord. And Lord, open your heart to us so that we might also know yours. That we might seek after the things of you, not the things of ourselves, but seek after the more of you. And Lord, we thank you for all these things. Lord, now as we hear your word on this morning, open our hearts and minds. Let us be receptive to what you're speaking to us in this destiny moment. Allow your word to push us towards your promise, to lead us along the path of destiny that you've assigned for each of us. And Lord, most of all, from this experience, let us not leave the same way that we came. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Amen. We are grateful for you on this morning, each of you in the house, and we also welcome the, our virtual audience. We appreciate you being with us on this morning. Has God been good to anybody? I said, has God been good to anybody? Oh, let me try this side over here. Has God been good to anybody over here? Has God been good to anybody over here? Well, come on, put those hands together and give God, don't give me, but give God praise. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and for your kindness. I don't know what you have had, but if you're here this morning, that lets me know you don't have COVID. You don't have cold symptoms. Come on. You don't have, what they got? You don't have variant A, C, B, MNLOP. You don't have monkeypox. I don't know what all is out there right now. But I praise God, whatever it is you could have. God has blessed you. God has kept you. God has allowed you to be here on this morning. And that's the reason by itself to say, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for preserving us, for healing us, Lord. Some of you, and some of you, some, this might be a greater testimony. Some of you have had COVID and you came through it. And, oh, and you're good. You're okay. God allows you to come through it. And some of you don't have any symptoms. Y'all don't have that long haul COVID and all that residual stuff. You still okay. That's a testimony by itself of God's goodness and his kindness to us. And for that, we are grateful and we are thankful. We're going quickly to the word of the Lord. If you'll follow us to Matthew chapter 16. God has kind of led us into a series of sermons over the last few weeks and just excited about what we have to share. God has given us, caused us to share a few stories. We'll share a little bit of one on this morning too. A few stories that sometimes are overlooked and skipped in the Bible. Our primary passage of scripture is one that's familiar, but we also want to share maybe a lesser known story and I heard some of our seasoned saints on last week say they had never heard of the story and the plot against Lazarus. And sometimes it's good to share, you know, some of the nuggets of the Bible, amen, uh, with you to let you know how, um, how real the Bible is, to let how real the stories are, and also how applicable they are to our lives on today. Amen. If you'll you allow me this morning, I'm going to be preaching from my phone. We had a little, I mean, technical difficulties. So if you'll follow with us, we're in Matthew chapter 16, and we'll be reading from the English Standard Version on this morning. The word says in Matthew 16, 
and verse 13. It says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? Or who do people say that I am? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona or Simon, son of John, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I want to talk to you for a few moments from the thought, speak on it. Say that with me. Say, speak on it. Speak on it. When we're saying speak on it, an underlying thought or maybe a question, I always try to give you a question, something for you to think about during the week, something you to think to reflect upon your own set of circumstances. Jesus was asking them what everybody else had to say. And then he asked them this question, what do you have to say? And that's a question I want you to reflect on as it relates to your Christian journey, as it relates to your relationship with Christ. Who is Christ to you? And what do you have to say about him? Who is Christ to you? Point at somebody and say, who is Christ to you? Something I want you to reflect on and think about during the course of this message. Now, Jesus went to this area, and when he went there, he asked the disciples a question. He was asking them a question for a particular purpose. He was trying to elicit a response from them, and let's understand fully, because when Jesus asks a question, he's doing so for a purpose because he already knows the answer. There's, there's a reason behind him asking the question, because at all points, no matter what question he might ask, he already knows the answer. That's why I, I've shared with some, and I think I've shared from the pulpit, sometimes when Jesus speaks to me, he speaks to me in questions. And what he's trying to do is cause me to reflect upon things or reflect upon life myself. He asked me questions like, what could you have done better? Or how could you have better handled that situation? Or are you doing your best in this area? When he asks these questions, he fully knows the answer, but he just simply wants me to reflect upon what he's asking. So that's what he's doing to the disciples. He wants them to fully reflect upon what he is asking in this question when he says, who do men say that I am? And they give him several answers, you know, Jeremiah, Elijah, the, the, one of the prophets, uh, the, I guess the return of John the Baptist, and everybody that, he, everybody that they say are men who have lived and have already died. So it would be, the, I guess, those people who are saying that surmise that that prophet has died and come back to life. I would suggest that any of those prophets that are suggesting that they're suggesting, if you remember our lesson from last week, the people who are saying this wouldn't be Sadducees. Why? Because Sadducees do not believe in resurrection. So therefore, any of the people who were saying Elijah or Jeremiah, one of the past prophets or John the Baptist, would not be Sadducees because they didn't believe in people coming back to life. That's why Lazarus was such a problem to their narrative that we spoke about on last week. So they're, they're saying that you might be Jeremiah or, or, or one of the prophets and they're, and they're trying to, and they're giving Jesus what other people are saying about him. They are basing their answers on what other people have to say. And, and that thought came to me because I was wondering how many of us are living somebody else's vision of Jesus. How many of us are living somebody else's version of Christianity? Because this has to be an individualized thing. This cannot be, I cannot be saved based on who my grandmother was or who my father was or who my great grandfather was. We have to be saved based on our own relationship with Jesus Christ. 
It can't be a reflection of somebody else. The only person we're supposed to be reflecting is Jesus Christ himself. So we can't base our connection and our relationship with Jesus Christ on anybody else other than ourselves. So when they're saying, what do other men say that I say that I am? That means other people are talking. Other people have suggestions. There are plenty of people right now who have suggestions, not only on how you should live as a Christian, but generally how you should live as a person. There are plenty of people who will give you advice on how you ought to live, on what you ought to do, what you ought to purchase. Uh, I wish I had a few witnesses out here. You know, who you ought to marry, who you ought to be with, how you ought to dress, where you ought to work, and how you should behave. And there's plenty of people in your life, you'll be in situations, and they'll say things like, I wouldn't let them do me like that. If I were you, I wouldn't do that. There are plenty of people with suggestions on how we ought to live and certainly how we ought to live as Christians. But we, that's the importance of having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ because you have to know him for yourself. The reason I say this, and I'll give you a, a good example of this through a story that I was listening to my daily Bible devotion uh, this morning, and then we're talking about the split kingdom. That's when uh, the ten tribes of of Israel separated from the two tribes to the south. And although there were twelve tribes, there were ten to the north that were living that were considered Israel, and the two to the south were considered Judah. And that was actually Judah, and also the the, the descendants of Benjamin. And when they had split after, because God had promised that David that he would keep the kingdom together while he was king, and he also kept it together while Solomon was king. But then when Solomon's son came along, he was not a beneficiary of that promise. And because he was hard-headed and did not, follow, did not follow God, then the kingdom was split from him. And while it was split, one of the prophets who the, uh, Jeroboam had actually, one of, one of the son, had, had, had sought for advice, God told him not to go with him. He said, basically, I want you to go deliver my word. Let them know that the kingdom is going to be ripped from your hands, that you will not be successful if you try to make war with the children of Israel. He said, if you, if you try that, you're going to fail. And God told that prophet, he said, tell the king that and then leave. Don't tarry. Don't stay. Well, the prophet went. He delivered the word. And then a false prophet from the house of Jeroboam came and told him, he said, well, an angel told me that you ought to stay. You know what the prophet did? He stayed. He stayed. Not only did he stay, then he was killed. He was put to death. The false prophet convinced him to stay based on what he said he heard from an angel. And that prophet didn't listen to what God told him himself. I'm telling you, it's dangerous when you don't follow what God told you. You're walking into uncharted territory when you don't follow what God told you. And that's why it's important to know what he said and to have a personal relationship because some people will tell you things with good intentions, but it will cause you to have problems. I wish I had a few witnesses. See, I I, I drove a little bit before the days of GPS. And, you know, back in the day when you had to stop and help, ask for help at, at the convenience store and ask for people for help. And sometimes they wanted to be helpful, but they just didn't have all the knowledge. Has anybody ever given you directions and they led you to getting lost? I wish I had a few witnesses. They had good intentions. They, they meant well, but, but, it, but, it, but it accrued to my detriment. It, it wound up hurting me, costing me time and trying to figure out where I was. I was lost because I was following somebody else's direction. Baby, if you're going to be lost, don't be lost trying to follow somebody else's direction. I'm gonna, I can, you know why? Because I can get lost by myself. I wish, I had, wish I had a few, little help. Like Tyler Perry movie, I can do bad all by myself. I can get lost by myself. I don't need your help to get lost. So if I'm going to get lost, I'm going to get lost attempting to follow what God told me. Okay? Because you know what? When I'm following what God told me, there is protection even in the middle of adversity. Let, 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 me, let me help you with that. When I follow what God told me to do, 
There is protection even in the middle of my adversity because that storm, I want to help somebody right here, somebody who's following God's word and you're in the middle of a storm, baby, God meant for you to be in that storm. There is protection inside of that storm. My God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape so that you might be able to bear it. God has measured exactly where you are. He's allowed you to go through a little trial. He's allowed you to go through a little storm. I I thank God for my parents. Sometimes they sent me out to do things and then they knew in the middle of that I'd have to figure some things out by myself. But while I was doing that, they were there for my protection. They were there for my shelter. They were not, I might fall, but they were not going to allow me to fail. Uh, and I need somebody to get that who failed, but, but you might fail, you might fall, but that doesn't mean you failed. Uh, you might, uh, and somebody needs that right now. I, I, I fell down, but, uh, but the, the righteous man falls seven times, 70 times, but he gets back up again. I, I might have fallen, but I, I did not fail because even when I have fallen down, God is teaching me something. I'm learning something in the middle of my adversity when I follow God's plan. That's why I say the the, the tragedy of the story of Jonah is that he faced an unnecessary storm. I want you to get this. If Jonah had been obedient, there may not be a book of Jonah. If Jonah had been obedient, we wouldn't be hearing about the big fish swallowing Jonah. Jonah encountered unnecessary adversity in his life because he was not obedient to the command of God. I don't, I I know some of y'all might have some extra time, but I don't have time for unnecessary storms. I, I, I don't have time for unnecessary adversity because see what happens is Jonah, he didn't learn a new lesson. He learned a lesson that he should have already known, which was be obedient when God tells you something. If I'm going to go through a storm, Lord, help me to learn something new from this storm. I wish you were here with me. That, 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 that I didn't get from my last storm. Lord, Lord if, if I'm in the middle of a trial and I'm suffering, Lord, help me to be learning something that I did not already know if I'm going to go through right now. I, I do not want to repeat adversity of something that I've already been through. But Lord, while you're taking me through this trial, help me to learn something that I did not already know. And that's what God does. When you're going through your adversity, when you're going through your trial, when you're following his path, that means I'm learning something in the middle of this storm that I did not already know. I'm learning something through this trial that's making me stronger for what's about to happen next in my life. I don't need another storm to prepare me for where I am. I need you to get that. I don't need another storm to prepare me for where I already am. I need storms that help prepare me for where I'm going next. Somebody point at somebody and say, I'm going somewhere. I'm going. Now, point, look at that same point, person, point at him and say, I'm preparing for next. I'm preparing for next. I'm preparing for what is next uh, in my life. I'm preparing for what's next in my life. And sometimes maybe the reason we're frustrated with the storms that we're dealing with is because we have not made that step to move into what's next in our life. And maybe we're frustrated with the same people that we've been fooling with for months and years. And we're, we're tired of dealing with and fooling with these same folks because we have not made that step to go to what God has next for us in your life. And I came to tell everybody in this building, there is a next coming for you. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what you've been through. God is preparing you for something that is coming up next. And yes, when you get there, I know I have a few witnesses there who said, now I understand why why I went through that because God was preparing. I wish you were here with me, preparing me for where I am now. Now I understand why I went through that adversity because God was getting my mind right so I'd be ready for where I am now. God, I, I thank God for the trial that I had on that level because God was preparing me for the level that I'm on now and baby if you think your haters hate you right now I'm just letting you know that all they're doing their their hate, their vitriol the digits digits that they're digging for you, the, the weapons that they're preparing against you are all preparing you for where God is taking you next oh child in your life there is a next 
is coming for you. So to the person who is feeling anxiety in the moment that you're in right now, baby, there's no reason to feel anxious. You're, you're still breathing. And as long as you're still breathing, God is preparing you for what is next in your life. Somebody's feeling depressed right now in this moment, baby, don't be depressed. Don't feel like you have no purpose. Don't feel that God doesn't have something left for you. If you're alive, God is yet in the middle of your depression, preparing you for what I wish you were here with me, preparing you for what is next in your life. And maybe your anxiety and your depression is just part of your test, which becomes part of your testimony because on your next level, your testimony is going to take you to another level and another dimension that you never arrived because your testimony, get this, is part of the keys that unlocks the door to the kingdom that God is giving you access to. I, I need the test to be part of my testimony so that I can be like Peter and get a hold of the keys. So that's what, let's go back to Peter because God told Peter, he, he, he asked him, who do men say that I am? Who do, who do they say that I am? And then Jesus said, well, I, I like one, of, I think it was the New Living Translation puts it that way. It gives us a little realistic version of Jesus. It says, Jesus says, well, who do you say uh, that I am and, and, and the true and the true conflict in the story, the true rising action in this whole narrative does not revolve around what other people say, but it, it revolves around what you have to say. Uh, uh, what other people say is just prologue. Uh, what other people have to say is just the run up to the to the real to the real intricacies of the script to the to the real crux of the matter. It does not matter really what other people say. What Jesus was really getting to is to what do you have to say about who I am. In other words, Jesus was saying, disciples, I need you to speak on it. Uh, you've given me the words of somebody else, but now it's your turn. I'm passing you the mic. You tell me who I am to you. And I think that it's part, uh, that ought to be a daily part of our, uh, of our ritual, a daily part of our, uh, of our religion, a daily part of our, our, our collaboration with Christ, our, our conversation of reminding Christ the importance of who he is to us. And, and when you think of who he is, you can't help but give God praise. <laughs> I, I wish. I wish you, well, well, let me break it down to you, something you can grasp. If you start thinking about what, what your parents mean to you. Mama did this for me, and my daddy did this for me, and, and, and they helped me get here. And, and when, when you start thinking about the things that they have done to help you get to where you are, a lot of times you can say, well, well, well thank you, Mama. Ah, thank you. Thank you, Mama. Thank you, Mama, for, for, for raising me. Thank you, Mama, for, for allowing me to go through school. Thank you, Mama, for teaching me who God was. Thank you, Mama, for bringing me to church, Mama. Thank you for giving me common sense on how, how I should act. Common sense on how I should deal with money. Common sense on how I should choose a spouse. Lord, I, Lord, I thank you, Mama, because I'm thanking you because I begin to think of what you have done for me. And, and when we begin to think of what God has done, for us and who he is to us and our, what he means to us. We can't help but transition from a moment of thought to, to a moment of reflection to, to a moment of praise because when I think of the goodness of Jesus and, and all that is done for me, I, I, my, my soul, if my mouth doesn't do it, my soul, then my soul cries out, hallelujah, because I'm reflecting on who God is and what God has been to me and I can't help but give God oh, some praise and I think about him in the car and I just have to say hallelujah got to keep my hands on the wheel but I hallelujah thank you for waking me up one more day when I, I think about him at work and I can't cry out like I want to but, but in my spirit I, I, I wish I was the, Jeremiah said it's like father shot Shut up in my bones. I, I want to break out in pain, but I think of how good he's been. Popo Shadda Negabo said, I might have to go to the bathroom and scream out hallelujah. 
I might have to go outside, lock myself in my car, and say, thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done. God's been so good to me. I can't keep it to myself. But every now and then, I got to tell him how good he's been to me. I got to lift my hands. I got to open my mouth. Sometimes I get so excited, I just start spinning around. Because every time I turn around, he's been good to me. Every time I raise my hand, I just think of how good he's been to me. I wish I had a witness in here. Somebody who'll open your mouth. Somebody who'll raise your hands and say, Lord, you've been good. Come on and say it like you mean it. Say, Lord, you've been good. Say it again, Lord, you've been good. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. Hallelujah. 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 If you'll just take your seat for one moment, I, I do have to get here and I, I'm finished. I'm finished. But I, ha- I have to give you this because I need you to understand your authority. If, if nothing else, we, there are two things that I think that as a pastor that, that I really need to teach you. I need you to understand that the forgiveness is what unlocks our positioning with God. We have to stay in a, we have to be obedient to God. We have to seek forgiveness for that which we've done that, that locks in our position with God. But once you've had that position, you need to understand your dominion. So if we can get from forgiveness to dominion, that's when we're walking in that abundant life that Jesus Christ talks about. Because see, in this story, this is how it's unlocked. Peter, Peter responds, and, and I don't care what you have to say about Peter. Peter was the one who always spoke up. Peter was the one who, who spoke up on the day of Pentecost and said, no, nah, no, nah, we're not drunk, as you suppose. But this is that which is spoken of the prophet Joel, that in the last day, I, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Peter was the one who said, I'm not letting you take Jesus out of the garden of Gethsemane. Peter pulled his sword out and cut, I wish I were here with, cut the man's ear off. Jesus had to put the ear back on because Peter said, you're not going to just take Jesus from me. I wish I were here like that. Je- Peter's the one when Jesus was walking on the water, Peter was saying, Lord, if that be you, then, then bid me to step out of the boat and come out on the water with you. Say what you want to about Peter, but Peter was willing to speak up. So Peter said, I see the rest of y'all are being silent around here. And he said, but Lord, he said, who do I think you are? He said, thou art the Christ. Thou art the Messiah. Thou art the son of God. And Jesus said, one thing I, I like how he said, Jesus said, well, Peter, flesh and blood have not revealed <laughs> have not revealed this to you. He's saying, Peter, this isn't something that you heard about. What you're saying is not based on what other people think about me, but it's based on a personal experience that you've had in your own heart. Oh, I wish I... That, that, that's, what, that's what we need to get. We need to get like Peter. I, I'm not telling people God is good because my grandma said he's good. I, I'm not telling how good God has been because of what he did for, for my daddy. I, I'm not telling them that Jesus is real because somebody else told me that he's real. But, but in my heart, I, I had an experience for myself that I know for a fact that God is real. God is real. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is real. Brother Mappin said, because I can feel him in my hand. I, I, I can feel him in my feet. And I, I can, oh, I wish I were in here with me. I, I can feel him all over me. I, I'm not talking about what you feel. I, I'm not talking about what I heard, but I'm talking about what he did in me. And then Jesus told Peter, he said, Peter, flesh and blood didn't tell you that. 
But he said, what you just tapped into uh, is the key to the kingdom. Uh, the key to the kingdom uh, is recognizing uh, that God has the power uh, to work things out uh, in your heart. Uh, God has the power to work things out in your life. I don't have to listen to anybody else. I know him for... Uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. I'm about to tell some, I'm about to let somebody recognize you already have the keys. And if you have the keys, let me give you this. If you have the keys, you can call pastor to pray with you. But if you can't reach pastor, you can call the prayer warriors to pray with you. But but if you can't reach the prayer warriors, you, you, you can call the mother's boy to pray with you. But if you can't reach the mother's boy, I don't have to borrow the keys. I already got the keys. Oh, wish you I don't have to borrow your keys. Somebody pointed somebody and said, I don't have to borrow your keys. I don't have to borrow your keys. I, I, I'm glad you have a relationship with God, but I don't have to borrow your keys. I, I know you've been saved longer than I have, but but I don't have to borrow. I wish y'all were here with me. I don't have to borrow. You may have been coaching longer than I have, but that's all right, baby. I don't have to borrow your keys. I got my own. Point at somebody and say, I got my own key. I got I, I, I got my, I got my, I got my, oh, I got my, I got my own keys. I got my own keys. So if I, if it happens in the middle of the night and everybody else is asleep, I, I can tap my pocket because I got my, oh, I wish I, if I'm in work and I can't reach anybody else, I, to call you, I don't have to text you, I, I don't even have to make it to church because I got my I got my I got my I got my I got my, I got my support at somebody and say I got my own keys in fact 23 people and say I got my I got my own oh I got my Hallelujah! 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 Somebody give God some praise in here. Everybody stand and be a bit. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I got my, I got my own keys. Hallelujah! I got, I got. I got my Osha. Osha I got most of Oh, somebody got blessed right there. Oh, somebody just tapped into the power right there. Somebody just recognized the power of your own potential of what Christ has poured into you. Say it like you mean to say, I got my own keys. Got my own keys. Osha. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I've got my, I've got my own keys. Hallelujah! I'm not going through this thing by myself. I'm not powerless in this situation. I'm not powerless right here. I don't have to cry because I feel like I don't have authority. But I have authority. I have dominion with God. I have my own keys. And what do you do with those keys, Peter? Set upon this rock, I build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And he said, I say to you, Peter. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Praise God. I've got my own keys. 
I've got my own keys. I've got my own keys. And let me tell you something. A few years ago, with cars, they changed this whole key situation. You used to have to take the keys and stick them in the ignition and turn the ignition to start the car. That's what you had to do with your keys. But now you can push the button and the car starts because it detects that your keys are on you. It detects that you have the keys with you. So the only thing when you get in the car, before you get in, you just check your pockets. A lot of you can just, there's a little button on your door. You don't even have to unlock the door. Just push the button on the door. You know why the door unlocks? Because it detects. Uh, uh, it detects that you have your keys. Oh, y'all, y'all trying to knock down the door. God said, if you just, I detect that you have your keys on you. And when you pray, oh, somebody, some of you right now, you, you're on the threshold of a door that God is saying it's already open to you because I detect that you have your keys. Your keys, your keys on you. Oh, shut up, oh, sir. Somebody say it again. Say, I've got my own keys. Let me give you this, and then I'm going to pray. The other week, we were driving my son Joseph's car. And we drove that because Joseph gets good gas mileage, and gas is still high. It's coming down, but it's still high. And I was having a problem with Joseph's car. He has a hatchback on his car. And I was trying to lock the doors to his car. But every time I locked the doors, I would pull the latch. I was trying to check and make sure the hatchback was locked. But every time it kept opening. And then I pressed lock. But then I hit the latch and it kept opening. And I pressed the lock. Think of your enemies trying to press the lock. I'm pressing the lock, but I kept hitting the hatch and it kept opening. And I'm like, Joseph, I, I can't seem to lock the hatch on your car. He said, Dad, he said, it detects that you have the keys on you. And as soon as it detects the keys, it unlocks. Get this. As long as I'm standing next to it with the keys... I can't lock it myself. God said in Revelations, he has said, I have set open a door for you that nobody, nobody can close. He's saying you can't close it. You can't even lock it yourself because the door recognizes that you have the keys. I, I just need to help somebody because somebody thinks that other people have the ability to lock a door that God said is going to be open. But as long as you're next to the door, the door cannot close. The door not, cannot be locked because you have the keys. Somebody say, I have my own keys. Praise God. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. For this, this word, Lord, to remind us, first of all, of our responsibility to have a personal connection, a personal relationship with you. And Lord, once we've tapped into that personal connection, that personal relationship, Lord, you transfer to us the keys to life, the keys to every situation that we might face. Lord, the keys represent our dominion. Lord, we don't stand underneath the power of our circumstances. 
But Lord, even though we're surrounded by circumstances, Lord, we still have the keys. Lord, we still have the power. Lord, we still have the authority through Jesus Christ. All we have to do is exercise the power you've already given us. Lord, I thank you for the keys. Lord, I give you the praise for the keys. Lord, I give you the glory for handing us the keys. That we have authority, we have power. Lord, sometimes we just need to open our mouth and speak over that situation. And Lord, we thank you for the power. Lord, we thank you for the authority. Lord, we thank you for giving it to us right now in Jesus' name. Somebody put those hands together and give God some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For those of you who've been watching us virtually, we praise God for you until we shall see you again. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Giveify. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.